Well, I have a good friend, uh, some good friends, Drew and Ellie Holcomb, and they decided that every five-year anniversary, they were going to do an adventurous trip to celebrate their anniversary. For their five-year anniversary, they decided to hike uh, Mont Blanc Glacier. So it's the highest point in Europe. They researched it, they figured it out, and they found this 120-mile, 14-day hike through the Alps. They show up to take the first day, and as they're there, everybody's in their hiking clothes, they have their uh, gear, and all of a sudden, they see this guy come up next to them, and he is not dressed like everyone else. He is dressed more like me, and he had a rolling suitcase. He was British, he was in his mid-60s, and he walks up to the lady that was checking everybody in, and he says, uh, I'm here for the animal rescue tour. And she says, uh, sorry, this is, this is a hike through the Alps. And he was like, oh, do you know where I can find the big animal rescue tour? That's what I, I signed up for. That's why I'm here. She's like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. What's your name? And he gave his name and she looks on the list and she says, well, your name's here. But this isn't a big animal rescue tour. This is a 120 mile, 14 day hike through the Alps. So he promptly went down to the city, bought everything, the backpack, the sleeping bag, the uh, hiking clothes, the sticks, and he went hiking. I mean, it's important that you know what you're doing and that you dress for the occasion, isn't it? I actually just went on a trip with Drew this last week. We had a um, wilderness adventure on motorcycles where we went four days through Death Valley. And we were with a group there, and one of the folks had never, well, actually five of the folks had never ridden motorcycles before. I'm still still trying to figure out whether that was crazy or gutsy. Uh, but one of the guys told a story about how he showed up to his motorcycle course, his motorcycle safety course, which was in the Salvation Army parking lot in Nashville, and it was run by a very stout, five foot one, no joke, an all business woman named Bonita. And he shows up and he says, Bonita, I'm here for my motorcycle safety course. And she looks at him and she goes, not in those shoes you aren't. She goes, where's your boots? He says, Bonita, this is all I have. I'm gonna have to take the motorcycle safety course in these. He goes, she goes, not on my watch. There's a general store down the street. So he goes down to the general store and he goes to the hiking boot section or the boot section and he finds the closest size that he can find to him and that was a women's nine. And he took his motorcycle safety course, Bonita's motorcycle safety course in a women's nine. You know, we know how important it is to dress for the occasion. Whether you are taking a motorcycle safety course from Bonita or whether you are hiking the Alps. Well, it's also true with the Christian life. In the Christian life, we have to dress for the occasion. And that's what the text that was just read for us says. Paul is writing to the Colossians and he lets them know at the very beginning of this letter in chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, that Jesus Christ is the key to creation. That all things were made through him and for him and in him all things hold together. But this creation has fallen apart, and so Jesus Christ is actually reconciling all things to himself so that through him, everyone will be reconciled and all creation will be reconciled. And the foyer, 
the gateway, the beachhead to God's new creation, which is a reconciled creation, is the church, which Paul calls the body of Christ in chapter 3. He says that we have been called into one body. That body is the body of Christ. You see, the church is to be that place that exemplifies to the world what God is going to do for everything. We are to broadcast and anticipate God's reconciliation of all things. See, becoming a Christian, being a Christian is receiving a new life. But the new life that we receive, it is not an individual life. It is a corporate life, a community life. A life which is a life in a body, which has a head, and the head is Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 18. And so, in this life and community, we actually have to dress for the occasion. We have to put on certain things. So, chapter 3, verse 12, Paul starts off and he says, put on, or in the ESV, or in the NIV, clothe yourselves in actions and attitudes that exemplify Jesus' reconciling work. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at, this afternoon, we're going to look at the actions and attitudes that we must put on to exemplify Jesus' reconciling work. And then we're also going to look at the power we must live from to put on these actions and attitudes. So what actions and attitudes are we to put on? Well, first Paul says that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, we are to put on compassion. Compassion is concern over another's misfortune. Compassion doesn't say, serves them right. Compassion doesn't say, well, they deserve that. No, compassion says, I would not wish that upon anyone. Compassion asks the question, how would I feel if that happened to me or my child or my community? compassion. And Paul calls us not just to compassion, but this compassion is a compassion that doesn't just feel, it's not just empathetic, it is empathetic, but it's an empathy that leads to action. In other words, what compassion does is it, it writes the rent check when someone makes an unwise financial decision. Compassion brings over food when someone is reckless with their health. Compassion. To live in this community, we have to have compassion. Second thing that we are to put on is kindness. The word here means a benevolent disposition that is seeking to do others good. I have a friend, and right next to his desk, on his um in his office is a frame and in that frame is a simple question what good are you going to do today that's the question that we put on when we come into the christian community what good can i do for others today when we go to community group when we drive up we say what good can i do for someone today when we come to worship what good can i do for someone today that's the question that we ask in the midst of a pandemic. What good can I do for my brothers and sisters today? 
And it may be praying for them. It may be asking a question to them. It may be singing louder for them because they need to hear your voice. It may be giving them a call. But we have to put on kindness, this benevolent disposition to do others good. The third thing that we are called to put on is humility. In the Bible, humility is contrasted with uh, selfish ambition and vain conceit. Humility is, uh, does not exaggerate one's own abilities or influence or the certainties of one's views. It doesn't think too highly of oneself. It puts the well-being of others over one's own prominence. Humility, are you humble? And how would you know? Well, well, I think one way that we would know is, are you open to the influence of others? Thinking that they might have something to bring to the table that you don't know or have. Do you listen to others? Do you ask questions, especially with the, of those with whom you disagree? And earnestly understand where they're coming from. Or do you jump to conclusions about motives? Humility, humility comes with a disposition that says, I could be wrong, and I may not know, and therefore I can let go, and, and, and even not have my way because I realize that, you know what, I think this is right, but I also know it might not be right. And so I can listen, and I can submit. That's humility, and we need humility. We need humility in our culture today so bad. We are suffering, I think, from a lack of humility. And I realize there are a lot of reasons for this, what I'm about to say, but we, we have become a place where we distrust the knowledge of others and the expertise of others. And some of that is because of abuses in authority, and I understand that. But some of that is also because we have come to the place where we think that if we have access to an internet and access to information, then sure, you should know more than me about Paul and I should know more than you about finances and about medicine. But listen, God has set up authority structures under in his world. Way to get along is that we would be humble about the things that we don't know and the experiences that we haven't had, and we listen to one another and honor the experiences and the expertise and the knowledge of others because we need one another, because none of us has it all. The third thing that Paul calls us to put on is meekness. Meekness is often translated elsewhere in the Bible as gentleness, like in the fruit of the Spirit. It's contrasted with fits of outrage and anger in the Bible and with being overbearing. Uh, think of a picture with me. You're driving down Anacapa on your bike and you are going pretty fast. All of a sudden you hit a pothole, which can happen. You flip off your bike and the next thing you know, you have road rash all over you. Now it's all over your leg. You've got you've got you've got gravel in your leg. You've got gravel in your arm, and and it's got to be cleaned up. And nobody wants it cleaned up. It's not going to be comfortable. 
but you need it to be cleaned up. And so we all kind of want it to be cleaned up, but we don't want it to be cleaned up. Now, here's the question. What person do you want to clean that up? That's meekness. Meekness is the person who comes tenderly, who can do the job and who is strong, who can even hold you down if they need to, but they can use that strength with tenderness. Meekness is necessary for community because meekness is what allows you to approach the tender areas of people's lives without them deflecting or becoming defensive. And we need it because meekness is what builds trust, and trust promotes vulnerability. And vulnerability breeds connection, and we must be connected. Meekness. Next, Paul calls us to put on patience. Patience is steadfastness in the face of adversity, and we will all face adversity. Patience is what God exercises towards people because he doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants them to come to the knowledge of him. In other words, patience allows people the opportunity to change, which means it believes that people can change. Patience is a form of hope. It says they can change. And I can change. And institutions can change. But, because God is at work. But it also recognizes that the work that God is doing comes in the context of fits and starts. Of progress and breakthroughs and also setbacks. And so it can wait patiently. Patiently wait while God works. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience... Paul goes on to say that we need tolerance. In verse 13, he says that we must bear with one another. Now, I realize that tolerance is a buzzword today. And today, it usually means that something to the effect of uh, you're right and I'm right and everybody's right and nobody's wrong, so we must accept one another. And because of that, some people have a distaste for the word tolerance. I understand that. But biblical tolerance doesn't say there is no right and there is no wrong, therefore we have to accept one another. Biblical tolerance says there is a right and there is a wrong, but you know what? Some things are more consequential than others. And some of my knowledge is more certain than others. And intolerance, biblical tolerance says that, that you know, not every rough edge has to be smoothed out. And not every inaccuracy has to be corrected. And if you are married and have stayed married for longer than two weeks, you know this. Because all those things that you found so endearing when you first started dating, you found so irritating when you first got married. Oh, I just love how casual they are and, and, and you know, how kind of like carefree they are. And then you're like, why won't you, why are you so carefree with the top to the toothpaste? Right? I mean, any of us who have stayed married know that if you nitpick everything that drives you crazy, it is not going to last long. I will see you in my office. And so we need patience and it's not just uh, and we need tolerance, and it's not just in marriage, but it's also, it's also in community. 
But not all that causes offense can or should be overlooked. Sometimes we do have a justifiable complaint. And so that's why Paul goes on to talk about forgiveness. Look verse 13. If anyone has a complaint against another. See, we're not just talking about mild irritations. Then we are to forgive one each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive because the reality is that we are not who we want to be. We are not who we will be. That's why we need patience. And the, the truth is, is that we will lose patience with one another. The truth is that we will act overbearing. The truth is, is that sometimes we do assume the worst and not the best and we don't assume in charity. And in those times, we need forgiveness. And the model and the motivation for forgiveness is right there. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So here's the question. Who do you need to forgive this morning or this afternoon? What grudges might you be holding? Forgiveness starts, by the way, with a recognition, and I recently heard this. Forgiveness starts with the recognition that the person that caused the pain actually can't resolve the pain. The person who caused the pain can't resolve the pain. And if you're looking for them to, it just won't happen. You need something that's bigger and deeper than that. You need a cross and a resurrection. And when you acknowledge that, then you can come and you can enter in and you can have reconciliation. And yes, sometimes there are things that need to happen. That need to happen for reconciliation. There needs to be acknowledgement of the wrong. And there needs to be new, a new circumstance to go forward. But the reality is, is that even when there's an acknowledgement of the wrong, and even when you have a new circumstance, it doesn't make up for the wrong that was done. A payment has to be offered. It's going to hurt you. And so you have to take the hit and forgive, knowing that they could never pay it or make up for it, and ultimately only God can in Jesus Christ. It takes forgiveness, and finally, it takes love. We have to put on love. Verse 14, Paul says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You see, you can try to do all these things. You can try to be gentle. You can, try, you can try to be patient. You can try to be tolerant. You can, you can try to be humble and listen. But the reality is, is that if, if it's not done in the spirit of love, if you don't have love for the other, then it will just be a checklist and it will never last. And so... Paul says, above all these, we have to put on love. We have to do them from a place of love. So how? How do we do this? How does it become authentic? Where do we get the power? And that leads us to the power we must live from. We've looked at the actions and attitudes that we have to have that are essential for church unity, but where do we get the power to put these actions and attitudes 
on how how do you how how do you speak and point out uh, point out a fault in someone that needs to be pointed out with, without them being defensive or deflecting? How, how do you where do you get that kind of gentleness from? And how do you how do you receive someone's word of criticism without it crushing you? Without yourself becoming defensive? Well, I don't think it's any. I don't think it is. It is a. Um, it means nothing that when Paul starts, he reminds us that we are chosen by God, holy and beloved. Verse twelve. In fact, it is precisely as as those who are chosen and loved by God that we're to put on these things. You see, Paul reminds us that that God chose us. That God chose us. And, and he didn't choose us for anything in us. He didn't look down the corridors of time and say, look, aren't they so attractive? I think I'll choose them. He didn't look down the corridors of time and say, well, and look at a, a good decision that we would make or good deeds we would do. No, why did he choose us? I was uh, I was recently watching this um, this show. It's uh, Ewan McGregor is uh, a motorcycle enthusiast, and Apple TV has this show of him with his good friend riding from the tip of South America, and they're going up to L.A. And as they're they're riding up, uh, it's, it's a wonderful show because Ewan McGregor is like just a great person. To, I want to ride a motorcycle with him, but. Um, you know, I, I don't. I'm not even a Star Wars fan. I haven't seen Star Wars. Some of you aren't going to listen to this after this, but I love you, McGregor. I might want to watch it just for that. But anyway, so I'm watching this, and one of the episodes, and this is worth the price of the whole thing. In one of the episodes, he talks about his daughter, and he talks about her so endearingly. His daughter's name is Jamna, uh, and you start to figure out the story behind his daughter. Uh, Jamyon, sorry. And Jamyon uh, is, he, when he met Jamyon, it was actually when he did the first one of these motorcycle trips called The Long Way Round. And he met her somewhere like in Mongolia or something at an orphanage. And it was after that moment that he thought, and he talked to his wife, and he said, uh, we need to adopt this, this girl. And so it took a couple years and they did. And part of Part of the beauty behind this is seeing his relationship with her because she meets him on the motorcycle trip and spends a couple uh, week, or a week or so with him and to see that how tender and how loving their relationship is. And before she's about to head back to the States, they're interviewing her and she says this, I don't know how he chose me. I don't know what possessed him to think we should adopt. I don't know. I'm not going to question it because I'm not going to find the answer. So I'm just, I'm just glad. I'm just glad that it is what it is. Why did he choose you? He chose you because he loves you. And he loves you 
because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And if you try to find an answer to that, guess what? You'll never find one. But you can't go deeper than the love of God. That's bedrock. That's the foundation. And Paul reminds us that we are chosen by God, holy and beloved. We are his chosen people. And we are his forgiven people. Verse 13, right in the midst of saying that we need to put on forgiveness. He reminds us that we have been forgiven. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Which means two things. It means that, one, we are forgiven. The slate is clean. And two, we need to be forgiven. See, in other words, what Paul is reminding them of in this dynamic is he's reminding them of the gospel. He's saying, remember and remind yourselves of the gospel. That's what verse 16 is all about. Let the word of Christ, which is the message about Christ, which is the gospel, let it dwell in you. And don't read that. Don't read that individualistically. It's among y'all. Let the gospel dwell among y'all. Talk about it. Speak it to one another. Sing it to one another. Let it dwell among y'all richly. And the gospel brings this dynamic into your life. It reminds you of two things. It reminds you on the one hand that you are more loved than you could ever imagine. That you are chosen, that you are loved, that your status, you are holy, and your status is unalterable. And it also reminds you that you are forgiven, and that you needed to be forgiven, and that you're more sinful than you know. And those two things, that dynamic, that's what allows you, that's what allows you to confront someone without crushing them. Because you, when you go, you realize, you know what, I'm a sinner too. And we're in the same boat. And that's also what allows you to, to not get defensive when someone brings criticism to you because you realize, you know what? That may or may not be true, but here's what is true. You don't know the half of it. And neither do I. But you know what's also true? Whatever they have to say about you has already been taken care of on the cross. And your status does not change one whit. And this... That you are more loved than you can imagine. That you are chosen. That you are holy. And that you are forgiven. A forgiven sinner who messes up over and over and over again. And yet God loves you still. And he doesn't love you because of how little you sin. He loves you in spite of your sin. It's that that enables you to, to be tender with others. To be humble and to listen. It's that what it enables you to, to forgive others their offenses because you realize how much God in Christ has forgiven you. It's that that allows you to, to hear where you're wrong because you realize, you know what? My standing and my life and my acceptance and my enoughness does not depend on this. It depends on what God has done. And I'll tell you what, that makes you thankful. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful. Verse 16 says, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Verse 17, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Three times in these verses, Paul says, develop a disposition of gratitude. Why? 
Because the thing that destroys community, the things that destroy community is scorekeeping. I did this and they only did that. And then the bitterness that arises out of that and the criticism, the undue criticism that you harbor when you seek to to impugn motives and you get negative thoughts and you turn negative and that builds and that builds and that builds. But you know what? It's really hard to keep score, to remain critical, to remain bitter when you're giving thanks for someone. So give thanks. Give thanks for them. And give thanks to God that He has saved you. Remember that they too are God's holy ones chosen and beloved for whom the lamb shed his blood and you are too you are too so thanks be to God for his indescribable gift in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Amen